0: This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We are now passing the halfway point of summer. This wouldn't be the first time we've wondered on this program, why is we don't celebrate the midpoint of summer like we do the midpoint of winter with... Groundhog Day. We therefore propose a new national holiday called Parallax Day. Uh, We didn't do the math, but it would be something like August 6th, something, something along those lines. And no, it's not August 2nd because if you add up fall and winter, you come up a week short versus spring and summer. And the reason for that difference between the equinoxes is that the Earth is moving slower in orbit this time of year. And if you don't believe me, check with Johannes Kepler on that one. Here in Northern California, we've had a bit of a miserable summer up until recently when, thank goodness, our convection system of cool air from the coast has broken through. And the last week has been quite nice. Which this correspondent is especially grateful for because my air conditioning has broken. But I do want to note with some chagrin that I've gotten a little bit lazy having air conditioning and did not necessarily get up and open the house up at midnight to let that cool air in. Of course, when you really need AC, that system breaks down. But I'm happy to note, by way of reminding myself, that I've been quite comfortable the last week by taking advantage of the cool night temperatures. Of course, in Northern California, we have something like a 40 degree variation between the heat of day and the cool of morning, which is quite unusual. World-class, actually, in terms of diurnal variations. you know, we're talking about things like diurnal variations, you know damn well you're listening to KDVS, or perhaps KZFR. And of course, we thank you, dear listener, for doing exactly that. This correspondent had a chance to go to a party here locally in the greater Sacramento area involving some old friends from high school, to a few of which it was news that I'd been doing a radio program, which naturally invited the question of why. Also the comment, "I I thought you were a doctor. Well, in response to the latter, I can say, well, I, I am a doctor and a radio host. And in the answer to the question of why, I guess all I can say is, why not? I happened to catch Rush Limbaugh a few days ago bloviating his way on some interview program, throwing out facts that, that I guess are, are facts to Rush Limbaugh because he pulled them out of his ass. You know, things like, Obama has destroyed nine million jobs. Which, again, seems to be plucked from thin air or even some less inviting places. So, with the bars set that low, we've set out to do our thing here on this program. We figure that if we use actual facts and rely upon actual logic, we've got to be ahead of Rush Limbaugh. And yes, we're fully aware of the fact that his program is not about facts and logic. It's about reinforcing people's beliefs in things. So I just want to note that we're going to continue to do this program for a while longer. We're pushing 600 shows, a milestone I think will reach around January or so. How many more after that will we do? We don't know. But in telling some old friends about doing this program, they were quite intrigued by some of the illustrious guests we have had. And Looking at the web recently, I noted some... Uh, a collection of celebrities who are over the age of 85. And I thought right off the bat, well, four of them we've had on this program. Those being Eli Wallach, Carol Channing, Norman Lloyd, and Professor Irwin C. Corey. In this case, they're all showbiz legends, and we're grateful for the fact they were able to come and speak with us. And we're going to do our best in the months to come to bring you some more pretty cool folks. When a Norman Lloyd can tell us about playing tennis with Charlie Chaplin and working with Orson Welles. Or an Eli Wallach can describe uh, the movie set where he was working with Marilyn Monroe and Clark Gable. Or when a Freeman Dyson can tell us about how he was afraid to approach Albert Einstein, even though they're both working at the same institution, well, we're just in, okay? We're going to try and stay in for a while. I do want to note that we talked about having Dr. Gary Laguilar on this week's program. Gary will not be able to join us, unfortunately, but we hope to bring him on next week, which time we also plan to speak with another San Franciscan of repute. That would be our own Will Durst. Mr. Durst will be appearing locally on the 23rd of August as part of a benefit for the Humor Times. So we expect to speak with Will about that and perhaps with James Israel, the purveyor of the comedy stylings of the Humor Times as well. Looking forward to that. Let's begin today's program as we like to do with On This Date in History... I was thinking how we may need to cut down on this day in history, but sometimes it's just too much fun. Today may be one such day. We look back and note that it was on August 8th in 1709 that Father Bartolomeu de Guzmau of Portugal made the first known ascent in a hot air balloon. I did not know that. I thought it was the Montgolfier brothers in France. In fact, the first known ascent in a hot air balloon was done what, by one of my fellow Portuguese. It's Mr. McMillan's opinion that hot air and Portuguese do tend to go together, but I'll let that one go unrebutted. On August 8th in 1860, the Queen of the Sandwich Islands, better known as Hawaii, became the first queen to ever visit the United States when she arrived in New York City. And by odd familial brush with with destiny, my very own grandfather was privileged to play at the funeral of the great Queen Liliuokalani, when he was then a college student in Honolulu. On August 8, in 1876, Thomas Edison received a patent for the mimeograph machine. It was an automatic device for creating multiple copies of a document. Four years later, he got a second patent for an improved model. The mimeograph machine preceded the copier and was used up to the early 1970s. I'm sure many of you, dear listener, recall sniffing. <laughs> mimeograph you were handed in school. They seem to have quite a pungent alcoholic aroma to them, although I'm not sure what what fluid they were actually using. Red letter day for racists, August 8th. On that date in 1925, the largest ever Ku Klux Klan rally took place in Washington, D.C., wherein about 40,000 Klansmen paraded down Pennsylvania Avenue. August 8, 1940, the Battle of Britain began with the first of several high-intensity air raids by German bombers. Americans do like to think that we won World War II. We would remind people that we didn't even get into the war till the end of 1941. Throughout all of 1940, Britain stood alone against Nazi Germany. And lastly, 39 years ago today, August 8, 1974, in an evening television address Richard M. Nixon became the first president in American history to resign. He had impeachment proceedings underway against him for his involvement in the Watergate affair, which we think is pretty screwy because it is our belief that Nixon did not order the Watergate burglary, contrary to what you may have had inferred to you. To which I would add, I wish they would have impeached him for some of the things that he was more deserving of being impeached over. Like this item we mentioned a couple months ago, but it's probably worth mentioning again. Noted numerous news sources at the time, newly declassified tapes of President Lyndon B. Johnson's White House telephone conversations confirmed that Richard Nixon sabotaged Vietnam peace talks in October 1968 in order to strengthen his own presidential campaign. In the recordings, Defense Secretary Clark Clifford tells Johnson that the FBI has overheard a Nixon campaign advisor persuading the South Vietnamese government to withdraw from peace talks, promising them a better deal if they wait until Nixon is elected. Hanoi was offering major concessions at the time, and a settlement would have allowed Johnson to stop bombing North Vietnam. Knowing this would derail his campaign, Nixon intervened. Johnson accused Nixon of treason, but said nothing publicly for fear of revealing that the FBI was bugging the South Vietnamese government. That's the kind of crap they should have impeached him for. Our quote of the day, which is somewhat appropriate from John Locke, is that the actions of men are the best interpreters of their thoughts. Our quote of the day from author Robert Kuttner is, What do you call an economist with a prediction? Wrong! A joke of the day comes from Jimmy Fallon's writers, who noted that the NFL is about to get its first-time female referee, adding good for them. It'll be a little different, though. When a player asks her what he did wrong, she'll just say, Oh, I think you know what you did. All right, our stats of the day, and we have three, are as follows. The first is $100 million worth of natural gas. That is what oil producers in North Dakota's Bakken oil fields are flaring, which is just burning into the air. By the way, that's about a third of the gas they drill. And they're doing that every month. Apparently, North Dakota lacks sufficient pipelines and processing to service its booming number of fracking wells. That's according to Reuters. We do have to wonder, with all this talk about all how much better it's going to be when we burn natural gas instead of coal, well, how much of that natural gas is going to leak into the atmosphere? And of course, methane is 20 times better a uh, greenhouse gas than CO2, so well, let's just say we have our doubts about the benefits of fracking, and we pointed out in this program that if you look at satellite photos of the Earth at night, you will see giant natural gas flares in oil fields in the Middle East and in Russia, and in a few other places as well. This is enough light to, to easily uh, outshine that of major cities of the world, and you just wonder how much energy are we just wasting, converting it straight into CO2, or even, even worse, if it's not burning efficiently, leaking out as methane. Whew. Anyway, our second stat is $24 million. That's what the U.S. government has spent over the past six years, flying a plane over Cuba that's beaming American-sponsored TV programming that Havana turns around in blocks with signal jamming. Apparently, Congressmen representing Cuban exile communities in Florida have insisted that the blocked telecasts continue. It's according to foreignpolicy.com. Yes, your tax dollars at work. And our third statistic is 13%, which represents the number of pedestrians killed in the U.S. who were walking while drunk. In fact, it turns out that about a third of the people that were killed in 2011 had blood alcohol levels above the legal limit for driving. So there you have it. If you're drunk, not only should you not drive home, you probably shouldn't walk home either. But if it's a choice of one or the other, walk! Let's jump into the good, the bad, or the ugly. According to the Week magazine, it was a good week last week for freedom of religion. After the Department of Veterans Affairs have authorized U.S. soldiers who identify as Norse neo-pagans to have Thor's hammer etched on their gravestones. Boy, and there are some people that say we're not making progress in civil liberties. At any rate, it was a bad week last week for the Indian military after it apparently spent six months investigating what it thought were 155 violations of its airspace by either Chinese spy drones or UFOs. The Indians discovered that the mysterious bright objects were in fact Jupiter and Venus, said an Indian Air Force spokesman. We just wanted to be sure. And yes, I just made that last part up. And it was an ugly week last week for... I guess feminists everywhere, with the news that a New Jersey judge has ruled that casino waitresses are sex objects who can be fired for gaining weight. Evidently, waitresses in the Boraga Hotel's B.A.B.E. program, and no, we don't know very much about the B.A.B.E. program, uh, they sued over a rule requiring them to stay close to their hiring weight. Judge Nelson Johnson said any woman hired as a B.A.B.E., had voluntarily agreed to become a sex object to the Borgata's patrons. And luckily for all of you out there in Radioland, Mr. Millen has been unable to find the song Babe by Styx to use as bumper music. Thank God. <laughs> and finally, it was both a bad and ugly week for doing what you love after Minnesota tax officials hit transsexual musician Venus DeMars with $3,000 in back taxes by denying his deduction for expenses. Officials ruled that DeMars took too much pleasure from her performances to be considered a professional. Does this mean if we take too much pleasure in the performance of producing this program that we can't be considered professionals? Well, we certainly hope not. Well, there are a few things we enjoy more in this program than bashing our crazy legal system and the legislative process. But we do have to note that on occasion, other countries in the world do give us a run for our money. Starting with this item. In Zimbabwe, Robert Mugabe was allegedly re-elected this week. We meant to report on Mugabe's re-election on last week's program before the actual polling, because anyone who knows anything about Zimbabwean politics knows that Mugabe was going to rig up another phony win. But the worst part about it is that the other neighboring African states have pretty much said, well, fine, looks good to us. Having had a chance to see firsthand how the people of Zimbabwe suffer under the rule of this jackass, I do want to note that, although it may be a nasty thing to say, I do wish he would drop dead. I do hasten to add that the wish that Robert Mugabe dropped dead is an opinion that does not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the University of California. And we have to admit, it's kind of a mean thing to say, but I'm not taking it back. Now we don't know much detail about this story, but in the Sacramento Bee on Saturday, August 3rd, they published a photograph of Taiwanese lawmakers throwing water at each other in the legislative chambers and apparently also exchanging punches. This was ahead of an expected vote that would authorize a referendum on whether to finish a fourth nuclear power plant. We do have to ask, are we going to let the Taiwanese legislature get ahead of our own when it comes to having water fights in the, in the legislative chambers? We hope not. We certainly hope that our elected representatives will rise to this challenge. And how about this item from Israel? Some might argue that the Jewish people have uh, brought the world, the concept of the rule of law. But judging by how they go about granting divorces over in Israel, they apparently are stuck somewhere in the Old Testament piece by Edmund Saunders in the LA Times, notes that hundreds, perhaps thousands of Israeli women are caught in legal and social limbo because of a law that leaves matters of divorce for all Jewish citizens in the hands of a government-funded religious court. The court, consisting of a panel of rabbis, bases its decisions on the customs of Orthodox Judaism. The rulings apply to all Jewish Israelis, whether they are Orthodox, conservative, or Reform, also whether they're observant or secular. And their authority even extends to those who married abroad in civil ceremonies that were registered in Israel. Under the court's interpretation of Jewish religious law, the husband or wife's consent is necessary to end a marriage. As has been the case for centuries, a Jewish divorce is not final in Israel until men deliver handwritten divorce decrees into the hands of the women. A rabbi tears the document to pieces, which are then filed for record keeping, which just makes perfect sense. Apparently, if a spouse refuses to undertake the religious right, the court says it doesn't have the power to dissolve the marriage. Rabbis have upheld the need for consent, even in cases where a man has abused his wife, disappeared, or molested their children. Exploiting what amounts to veto power over a divorce, some men demand financial payoffs from the court. Others pressure wives to pay them to give up their homes and, for- forgo- and forego child support or waive custody rights. At present, women's rights advocates are pushing Israeli's coalition government, which turns out to be the first in decades that does not include ultra-Orthodox parties, to pass reforms. Good Lord, we hope so. But just to show that America is up to the challenge of legislators elsewhere being dumber than us, there's this. A woman who's exchanged sexts with Anthony Weiner has hired a talent agent in a bid to make the most of her 15 minutes of fame. Sydney Leathers, age 23, enlisted the services of Gina Rodriguez, who represents so-called celebrities, including various Real Housewives, and Nadia Suleiman, better known as Octomom. Leathers said in a CBS interview that the mayoral candidate's behavior, quote, literally disgusts me, unquote, adding, he's not who I thought he was. (laughs) A source told BuzzFeed.com that Leathers would prefer compensation for interviews. And closer to home, how about our mayor down in San Diego? Jay Leno said last week, illegal border crossings in California are way down this month, especially in San Diego, because people are scared they might get groped by the mayor if they come across. And to just quote, I think, verbatim from the recent uh, article about San Diego Mayor Bob Filner, well, here goes. The attorney for San Diego's embattled mayor, says the city failed to provide Bob Filner state-required sexual harassment training and therefore should pay to defend him against a lawsuit by his former communications director who alleges he asked her to work without wearing panties. Filner's lawyer, Harvey Berger, made the argument in a letter to city attorney Jan Goldsmith one day before the city council voted unanimously to deny Filner funds for his legal defense. Local media published parts of that letter last week. Berger said the training was scheduled, but the city trainer canceled and did not reschedule. Noting, while to paraphrase Bob Dylan, many might argue you don't need a weather person to tell you which way the wind blows, and an adult male should not need sexual harassment training, Berger wrote, Filner may not be facing a lawsuit today if he had undergone the classes. Turns out under state law, Filner cannot accept more than $440 a year in donated services from an attorney, and campaign money can, o- can be used only to de- defend against alleged violations of the state's campaign finance law. That's according to Ann Ravel, chairwoman of the California Fair Political Practices Commission. Article notes he can, however, create a legal defense fund. Unbelievable. And on that note, let's take a short break. I think we need one. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett.